0: Thank you. Well, happy Sunday to you. We're continue our series, Be Rich. And so for some of you, uh, this is something we do with other network churches. So in case you're kind of visiting or maybe you're, you're watching for the very first time, Be Rich is something we do with about 80 other partner churches all around the world. And we invest in our local communities for the upcoming year. So we have two nonprofit partners we're going to be talking about next week that we're going to be able to, we're asking everyone to give $39.95 um and hopefully whatever we bring in we're able to really help them and bless them for this upcoming year so as we think about generosity it reminded me of growing up on the farm and i learned a lot learned a lot growing up on the farm and whether it was from my dad or another farmer um, there was a lot of good things to know i learned how to do the following i I learned how to repair tractors and trucks Um, i learned how to build structures barns and houses I learned how to cut the grass and maintain the grounds. I learned to avoid pigs during feeding time. And I also learned to avoid relieving myself on the electric fence. The first two things have really stuck with me. I remember helping my dad take an old 1978 Ford Ranger and rebuilding it so that it could be used as one of our family's extra vehicles. We would also take old wood that was abandoned from a barn and we would repurpose it to build new structures like that's all the rage right reclaimed wood but we all know that when something is reclaimed what what we're doing is we're taking something that has lost its purpose lost its meaning lost its value and what have we done we've given it new meaning we've given it new purpose we've given it new value and today we're going to be looking at something that we may see as an obstacle, but God sees as an opportunity. We may see as a choice, but God sees as a calling. Most likely, what we're going to be talking about today has lost its meaning, lost its purpose. And today, because an opportunity to reclaim the very thing that God sees as a calling, that God sees as an opportunity. See, most farmers have these one-liners that are easy to remember. Farming is not just a job, it's a way of life. We work in acres, not hours i don't have a nine to five instead i have a when i open my eyes to when i close my eyes your farm tells a story and money grows in rows money grows in rows and these one-liners communicate a truth in a very memorable way and in fact we have a collection of one-liners called proverbs in our bible so in our bible there's a collection called proverbs and these are written mainly from a guy by the name of King Solomon who God gave just this uncanny ability to be wise. I mean, people traveled from all over the new world that time to get him, to get his feedback, to get him to make a decision on something because he was the wisest man to have ever lived. And he was wise because God gave him wisdom. So he puts together all of these Proverbs that communicate a truth in a pointed, pithy way. Uh, Someone else told me that um, they are short short sentences drawn from long experiences. Proverbs are short sentences drawn from long experiences. Uh, Think of like an ancient form of a tweet. Did you know that the owner of Chick-fil-A down in Atlanta um, reads a proverb a day because he needs as much knowledge and wisdom that he can get before he starts his day. The purpose of these Proverbs is to communicate truth. In fact, God's truth. And Solomon wrote these and put these together and he knew that if these were applied and even though he did not do a great job always applying this, if he knew and he knew and he was letting us know that when we apply three things begin to happen in our lives, we have three qualities that begin to be produced in our lives. You have integrity, and it's not not something you have. It's something you apply, right? Integrity is something you apply. So not only do we get integrity, but we also get humility. Humility isn't something you possess. It's something you practice. It's something you practice and trust. Just like integrity and humility, it's not just an emotion. It's an action. Trust is not a feeling. It's something you do Like where we're going today may result in you emailing me like there may be pushback and although that's not my intention to defend anyone but if you feel like you need to email me please feel free to do so at jeff.guyer and it will only make you feel better.com <laughs> i'm kidding yes i'm kidding and i'm more than welcome to have this conversation with any of us whether those watching online or those in the room But I want to talk about trust today. And we're going to look at a proverb, arguably one of the greatest proverbs. I'll even give it for some, like, I don't know, at least in the top five. Like, this is a proverb that most of us grew up learning, memorizing. We're familiar with it. If we get life under this one proverb, I believe life will take care of itself. Like, if we get it right, I believe it will take care of itself. And it's a great proverb but it's not an easy-to-do proverb. Like, we're going to hear it, we're like, ah, that makes sense, but for someone else to do. Instead of looking at this negatively, we should see this as an invitation from our Heavenly Father to trust Him. And what we're about to read is going to challenge all of us, but let's see that as God's challenge to us. So, Solomon writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Let's not live into or listen to our excuses. He says, in all your ways, submit to him. I'm going to surrender him. In all my ways, it means emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. And he will make your paths straight. So you're going to straighten it up. And one of the things we say here uh, quite frankly is you know, we follow Jesus not so that he makes our lives better, but he makes us better at life. Notice the two words that are highlighted, trust and heart. For the Jew, the heart was like the 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 core of who you were. Like where your emotions and your thoughts and where your behaviors were produced from. Like all of it came from your heart, and it's like, okay, trust God with your heart. So it's more than just a feeling we're probably going to ask questions like, okay, what do we do with that then? Okay, how do we trust God with all our heart? There's got to be something more than just how we feel. There's got to be something we do. So Jesus takes this to another level, puts some feet to it. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In terms of trusting God, Jesus says, whatever your treasure, your heart is there. This is related to trust. Remember, trust is not just an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's something we do. It's an action. And there's one action that that we're going to focus in on this morning that relates to trust. So Solomon is leading us somewhere. He says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Okay, when I trust in the Lord, I'm not leaning in on my own excuses or my own wisdom, my own knowledge of things, my own experience of things. What's going to happen? This is going to bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And so trusting God is going to bring healing and strength. And everything that Solomon has said up until now is leading us to this verse. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Solomon continues with this, this idea that, that trust is not just something you feel. It's not just an emotion. It's something that we do. And he's writing this agricultural-based economy. See, when a crop came in, the first part of the crop was given to God's use. It was given to the synagogue. It was given to the temple. And this shows that we're trusting the one who made the crops. We're trusting the one who gave us a crop. It's also reminding us where our ultimate trust is. Like last week, we talked about how we have this ultimate pursuit of more or the lust for better. And what happens is that becomes our ultimate. That becomes our focus. That becomes our everything. And if we're a follower of Jesus, he should be our ultimate. See, our economy has changed a little bit since he wrote this. But the principle still applies. You and I, we have, um, let, let's, let's do this. I have 10 $1 bills. I have 10 $1 bills. Okay. Now, one of the things we have talked about is what does this look like to live with a 10-10-80 plan? So what that means is I'm going to give my first to God and then I'm going to save on the rest. Or I'm going to save on another 10%. So 10% is given to God's use. Another 10% is put in like a retirement account, savings account. And then I have 80% to work with. It goes to the house, it goes to bills, it goes to a car, it, it goes to maybe education expenses, it goes to other things. And, and what we're doing when we give God our tenth, what's happening is it, it's, it's a trust fall, right? You, you know those team building exercises where you fall back and you're waiting for someone to catch you even though you can't see them? You're waiting that if you fall back, someone's going to you know, catch you. And Solomon is saying that when we give our first fruits, it requires a trust fall with God, that we're trusting God. We're trusting God with this plan. My observation in the last 20 years of people who attend church or maybe would consider themselves Christians, they miss the difference between tithes and offerings. Tithe is not just a tenth. In fact, it's the first tenth. See, the more money someone makes, the less percentage they give away notice these income levels under 25,000 people give about 7.7 percent and then it starts going below check this out 25 to 50,000 a year 4.8 percent 50 to 75,000 3.5 percent 75 to 100,000 a year 3 percent 100 to 200,000 2.6 and over 200,000 2.8 like we're looking at this we might that, that should be the opposite like this makes sense that it should be the other way around. And here's how we typically live. We know that we have, <laughs> we have to live indoors. And so there, there's, there's money put aside for that. For others of us, it's food. It's going out to eat. For others of us, it's hobbies. It, it's a car payment. And we want to save a little bit. And then for others of us, we got another thing going on that we, maybe we're saving for a vacation and we put that aside and, and then, we have, then we have really hardly anything left over for, for God. See, God doesn't do leftovers. This is why Solomon said we need to honor God with our first fruits. This is not about God needing your money. This is about you trusting God See, trusting God with our leftovers, our crumbs, is going to leave you and I hungry and unsatisfied. When God is last in your finances, when he's last in my finances, guys, it's really hard to grow in our faith. See, faith is about depending on God. So he's helping us come up with a better strategy. He's like, listen, I want you to give the first, the first tenth to God. And so we start off giving it to God. And then we have ninety to live off of. For some of us, that means we're going to save. We're going to we're going to put um, stuff to the mortgage, pay off, you know, pay on our mortgage. For others of us, a car payment, food, um, wanting to go out to eat, and we have some other bills. And what we're going to begin seeing happen is that God begins to take care of us because the first thing to give, we need to give it to God. It belongs to Him. See. And here's what Solomon is saying. You bring your tithe and you give your offering. A tithe is the first. And then the offering is out of the 90. We give above and beyond the tithe or the 10th. I think for some of us, we've been thinking that we've been giving tithes and offerings, but we've only been giving a tip. So I asked Kelly, who's our bookkeeper, and she lives in Atlanta. And I asked her, I said, I don't want to know names. And I only know names when people... Uh, when when people give for the first time and I write them a letter or or when someone gives a large gift, uh, I write them a thank you note. So she pulled this up and 50% of our church who attend Southridge gives any amount, 50%. Now, if you're engaged in our local church, like this should bother you. It bothers our volunteer staff. They're like, you got to talk about this. You have to talk about this. See, our vision isn't sustainable with this amount of giving. Like, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that our vision is not to be a mega church, but we have a mega vision. And what we mean by that is, what if we put this type of church in each community? Instead of having it dry 45 minutes to come here, what if we put it in that community? We have our summer camp in that academy. The, the academy in that community. What if we put all that stuff in that community? See, you and I, we have, even personally, there's a gap. Like, You want to go on a vacation, and your finances are here, and you're like, okay, well, let me build up to that. And then once you get there, you're like, okay, now I have a vision to do something other. And then we kind of grow. There should always be a gap. Now, the vision isn't sustainable, guys. Our vision is not sustainable with this amount of giving. Like, we have volunteer staff who commit a lot of hours a week, and they're not paid yet. They're doing it because they know that this is what needs to happen. I believe that when we begin to close the gap, God's going to increase our vision. And there should always be a gap. So I'm inviting the remaining 50% to give. As a church, we give 10% away to local nonprofits, church planning, financial assistance, relief efforts. We already do that because we believe the value of the tithe. I said this before, and I... I kind of want to repeat this. Trusting God with your leftovers leaves you hungry and unsatisfied. If we want to grow our faith, we do it by trusting God with our money. Our mission here is to inspire people to follow Jesus. And this conversation plays right into that. We want you to grow. I want you to grow so much. Like we have needs right now. Like We have, still have some non-mortgage debt because there's about $116,000 worth of expenses were placed on us after our plans got approved. That's unfair, and we all know that it's unfair. However, it is reality of it, and that's not allowing that's that's that's, that's, a, that's not, not allowing us to get to our vision. It's creating a bigger gap, and we want to take care of that. I want you to have financial freedom which is why we offer Financial Peace University, one-on-one mentoring. We offer those things because we know how freeing it is once we get our finances straight. And based on what we read from Solomon and Jesus, God is calling you and I to this opportunity to trust him, to honor him with what he's given us. Did you know that 90% of your income with God's blessing is greater than 100% of your income without God's blessing? He's asking you and I to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Solomon wrote. Lean not on your own understanding. We're going to have a lot of excuses of what, of why we can't, shouldn't, or won't. Whatever excuse we use is depending on our own understanding. And he says, in all your ways, submit to him, including financial. And he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are incredibly thankful that you have given us some structure you've given us some boundaries on the right way to live and i know that this is not easy for all of us for others of us it it might come a little simpler but i know the conversations we're having at home that aren't that, that aren't easy and so father i ask that we would not lean our own understanding but we would trust you by doing by putting this into practice because you have called us to do this. This is an opportunity, not an obstacle, but an opportunity to see you at work because faith is us depending on you. So Father, help us to take those steps of faith that we need to take. In Jesus' name, amen.